The Victorian lady wearing a bonnet to the left of Percy Shelley in the spirit of Soho Mural was a social reformer who set up the Soho Club and Home for Working Girls on Greek Street. At number 36, it's Maud Stanley. Born into the aristocracy in Cheshire in 1833, the Honourable Maud Alethea Stanley, to give her her full title, was very well connected. One of ten children, she was the daughter of an MP, and among her many notable relatives was her nephew, the philosopher Bertrand Russell, upon whom Maud doted. Many well-to-do Victorian women spent their spare time, of which they had lots, in charitable pursuits, but Maud took it several steps further and made the improvement of young people from West End slums her life's mission. Maud's mother was a notable women's rights campaigner, and with her brother being a priest in one of London's poorest parishes, it's perhaps no surprise that the unmarried Maud dedicated so much of her life to helping others. Most of Maud's many charitable activities took place in London, and at least two were in Soho. The one for which she is most well known and the one that earned her her place in the mural is the founding of the Soho Working Girls Club on Greek Street. This was a place where girls and young women employed in jobs such as domestic service could spend time with their friends in a safe environment, get a meal, learn new skills and improve their existing ones. In that very Victorian way, it was all about bettering oneself. And although it might seem paternalistic and maybe patronising to us today, the central idea of providing a safe space for young people and valuing them as individuals remained a sound one. Maud also served on the board of Poor Law Guardians at St Anne's Church on Dean Street, but it's the girls' club and her pioneering work in youth work that has had a lasting legacy. One element of that legacy is London Youth, a charity which evolved from Maud's original Soho Club and whose mission is to, quote, improve the lives of young people in London, challenging them to become the best they can and to make a positive change in their communities and to shape the city they live in. To find out more about Maud Stanley and her legacy, I got in touch with Emily White. Emily has two degrees in history, but even more significantly for our purposes, she's the fundraising manager for London Youth. She's currently working from home, so I talked to her in the new normal way on Zoom, which is why the audio is sometimes a bit scratchy. I began by asking her for a bit of background on the de facto founder of her organisation, Maud Stanley. Maud Stanley was born in 1833. Uh, she was the daughter of Edward Stanley, a politician, and Henrietta Stanley, a women's education campaigner. Her grandfather was a baron, um, so later her father became a baron, so she had a very aristocratic, um, privileged upbringing. She was one of 10 children, and her parents were quite liberal and tolerant for the time, I suppose you could say, especially around religion. She uh, was born in Cheshire, but spent most of her time in London, living in Westminster till her father died. And then she lived with her mother in Mayfair. Maud never married. And it looks like it's what her older siblings told her to do. Doesn't seem like it was her decision. She was told that her siblings and her mother needed her more than her husband did. Um, So she lived with her mother. uh, Yeah, she lived with her mother her whole life until she died. Her brother was a curate in the Five Dials area, which is now a non-existent slum near Charing Cross. He was working there, and that's how Maud uh, started out in her philanthropic um, activities, because she would go to where her brother worked and go into the slums and visits. That's how she started out. I think she thought what her brother was doing was a little bit old-fashioned, but it did mean that she could get into areas that she wouldn't otherwise be able to see. And that's kind of what kick-started her... Um, charitable activities. 
to what was she doing kind of doing soup kitchens that kind of thing yeah, I think just kind of back then ladies of her class were expected to give time to charitable activities especially as they one had the time because they weren't working but two it was thought that because they were women and had the more maternal instinct they were much more set up for this kind of activity so yeah it would just be a case of going around the slums visiting those who lived there providing food how how helpful it actually was but it definitely made them feel better I think yeah I think it sounds like it's more for her benefit than theirs <laughs> yeah ultimately she ends up going a bit above and beyond that by setting up these um, youth clubs and what starts out as a probably a a, um, a religious fueled activity kind of turns more secular as she begins working on youth work so thinking about the time like London of the 19th century it had really expanded more people were working there more people were living there, especially more poor people who had moved from working in the fields in the countryside, had moved into the cities to start working in manufacturing. So central London, the West End, was abs- was just jam-packed with, with residential hovels, basically. Yep, slums kind of on every corner. And you had rich and poor, especially the very rich, living very close to the very poor, because what had happened is the middle classes had started moving out to the suburbs leaving those aristocratic families that had their London pads, you know, where they would come and visit for a few weeks a year, walking past these slums. And I think that's kind of what generated this um, philanthropic need to kind of start helping um, these people because they they were seeing them more and um, they were living near them and they... They looked um, absolutely horrid. Yeah, they, they, they didn't want that. So in London, about two thirds of Londoners were living in poverty and so that there was this eagerness to to reform and to kind of bring up standards. And around this time, like loads of new charities and societies were popping up to meet that need of the, of the poor. This is the context that Maud's working in. Um, by 1870, the Elementary Education Act had been passed. And so from 1870 onwards, you start seeing schools appearing. So Maud Stanley would be working in a time basically when schools were were just coming in. And so you still had masses of people that were illiterate and uneducated. And it wasn't just formal education that had been debated as well. Informal had always been there and um, youth work wasn't a brand new idea. It was sitting alongside this idea that we should be teaching young people to read and write. But also the informal education was still kind of the forgotten sister that is, um, well, becomes the responsibility of the voluntary sector and those who will take it up like Maud did. She was, was visiting Five Dial. She was doing her charitable work. It was 10 years after the Education Act that she sets up her girls club but she's already doing youth work before that five years before that so we're talking 1875 she is working around Charing Cross and St Martin's Lane and she's working with boys she notices boys on the street without much going on not doing anything behaving kind of badly and she goes out and tries to engage them on on the streets and gets them in to her school on a Sunday afternoon and it starts with four boys it grows to about 28 on every Sunday she gets in the postman to come and help her Um, (laughs) and what kind of things are they doing in the Sunday school for boys it's about keeping them employed in activities that keep them away from mischief she doesn't go into too much detail but they do sound like they're a handful these boys because they're quite rude to the postman who um (laughs) who um is helping out calls him who they always called Squint Eye. Um, <laughs> but she... Um, Any particular reason for he, that? Yeah, a personal defect that oh he had. Oh, my word. Did not have much hold over. That's rude. Yes, they were quite rude. But um, it sounds like Maud was a bit of a force to be reckoned with. It seemed very strict with them. And it says here, as long as I could keep the boys under my eye, they were tolerably well behaved. 
So the, it sounds like a rather chaotic but lively youth club. And so, and where, whereabouts was it? Was it this area, Five Dials, that's no longer there? It was five, yeah, okay. it was around the Five Dials um, area. But obviously she'd been working with boys and noticed that there was nothing for girls like what she was doing with the boys. And so in it was actually in 1876, she established a night school for girls and it was open three nights a week. It was in the same premises where the boys met and had the same outcomes really about keeping girls employed. Um, in activities but um, she just didn't get the numbers joining her and so that that quickly shut um, so instead she um, opened a weekly sewing class for girls and um, this got a lot more traction because it was for those who had left school and were working in trades and needed improving in those um, so that they could bring money in for their families and um, she talks about how the best of mothers um, do not teach their girls uh, to cut in a crowded room that's occupied with the rest of the family so actually, this was like a space for the, the young women to get away from the hubbub of home and have a dedicated space where they could learn their craft um, and build up on that. And basically, it was about imp- not only improving the girls' skills, but improving the work and the trade there as well. And it's clear that the centre of the girls' club's activities were more about domestic skills rather than some of the more um, competitive sports that the boys were doing in their club. She talks about the nature of much of girls' club work was to place emphasis on relationships and gentle improvement so that the girls may be ennobled the class of which they belong to. So the purpose of the girls' club is along the lines of that Victorian eagerness to improve the poor and to um, bring them up. There was a worry as well that if you left the working classes and the poor that they would just run riot, drinking, um, becoming criminals, um, all of the things that the Victorians did not like. But still to not chimneys, though. That's, <laughs> we would not want to get rid of your chimney sweeps. No, exactly. They just wanted them very well behaved. And I think, you know, Maud is operating in this time and working within this mindset of, you know, pulling young people up by the bootstraps, this kind of old school um, thinking. But actually, if you think about the time in which they're working, this idea of someone can be helped if someone is there to help them. It's quite a radical idea. And it's definitely an idea that still feeds through youth work today. Maud Stanley knew that she had to get on the side of the young people. She had to be trusted by them. And she was very good at building those relationships, getting that trust so that these young people wanted to come back to the clubs so that they would do the activities, so that they would learn new skills so that they could they could do work well and they could earn money for their family and she was she was there day in day out was she she wasn't just she wasn't just in an office somewhere she was actually no no yeah yeah. she was in the club so the girls club originally started originally was set up in porter street but then it moved to greek street in 1883 and it was built as the soho club and home for working girls later in the 1920s it became the theatres girls club and it was a home for women working in the theatre. And later it was a hostel for homeless women. So that site on Greek Street still kept a lot of its legacy in terms of being a, a space that supported women and looked after women around that area and across London. Was there any kind of measurable benefit from what she did? Or was it just a sense of well-being? Do you know what I mean? It was. I don't suppose any records were kept worthy about people who went on to do jobs and you know worthy things after that unfortunately yes the youth clubs weren't as good at recording their outcomes as I'd say modern day youth clubs are but you know they were setting in stone that the idea of long-term benefits of investing in young people early um, and supporting them early and supporting them not just in school 
um, but actually recognizing that you know it needs to be kind of wraparound care you know you can't just put a, a young person in school especially at that time when they were leaving at 13 um, and it kind of expects them to do well they needed the relationships they needed the support to go on and achieve beyond that and you work for London Youth now which is as I understand it London Youth comes directly from uh, Maud Stanley's original club for girls yes London Youth is a network a membership network of youth clubs across London and we support these youth clubs and the young people there to thrive really we provide support to the youth clubs so that they can run safely and we provide programs to young people as well in sports and arts and youth action so um, empowering young people to um, take action in their community our history goes all the way back to Maud. So when Maud set up the girls club, she recognised that actually we need to, more of us need to work together in this kind of way. We need to, we need to form a union. And so she set up the girls club union to foster links between clubs like hers to work together. That ended up turning into lots of iterations over the years of it seems like they just moved the, the name the words around so it was the girls club union then it was the L- london girls club union then it was the london union of girls club <laughs> the people's front of judea and the judeans <laughs> people front yeah um, and alongside that you also had a boys club you know it wasn't just girls youth clubs um there were boys youth clubs working in a, a similar way eventually they came together to form the federation of london youth clubs which is london youth so um, is that your official and, title federation of london youth clubs yes the federation okay. of london youth clubs okay. official title but we are known as london youth we continue that legacy and that idea that working together is is much better than working singularly creating a network and cooperation between youth organizations fosters a much stronger youth sector than all the clubs operating on their own especially in a time when funding cuts to the youth sector um, and covid as well is having a massive impact so the fact that we are a network that can support and share information and best practice is really important and is still upholding the uh, legacy that Maud started. <laughs>